Hi readers, it is Thursday and I believe July 23rd and we are on chapter 23 which is Pax's chapter and he with Runt and Bristol are in still the um, area near the Warsick camp for the humans. And if you recall, Runt has been severely injured from an explosion. So here we go. Chapter 23. The moon shone through the trees as full and creamy yellow as the eggs Pax had eaten a week before. His stomach cramped as he paced the river's edge. Only three times in the week and a half since his humans had left him had he eaten a meal big enough to fill his belly, and the last one, a pile of fish rotting on the bank, he'd retched up minutes later. He had retrieved the cash ham and watched with pride as Bristle and Runt ate the meat, but he hadn't touched any of it, and he still had had no luck hunting. All his fat reserves were gone, his, hung, his coat hung loose, and he was burning muscle. Pax trained his nose to the human's camp, which, as always, tortured him with its rich food scents. Over the past two days, more warsick had arrived, and hundreds of them were massing to the south beyond. The ground vibrated with their threat, but Pax was hungry. He looked over to where Bristle was guarding the sleeping runt and signaled that he would leave. Although he could see the camp directly above him, he chose his old route up the gorge and across the ridge because the guards on the wall were facing the river. He padded up the rocks in the water, leaving no tracks. Away from the silence of the devastated field, his ears pricked toward the night sounds. He knew them now. They comforted him. The thin piping of bats, the careless crashing of a waddling skunk, the underground bustle of voles, the distant calls of owls, all these sounds told him he was not hunting alone. Pax himself made no noise. He had learned the secrets of stealth by Gray and Bristle. Like a shadow, he slipped across the ridge, down the hill, and into the grub tent. No easy meat hung this night, but the tables were piled high with vegetables and bread. He knocked a wheel of cheese to the ground. The taste was strong and strange, but he gulped until his belly stretched tight. As he headed back out carrying a hunk for bristle, a familiar scent stopped him in his tracks. Peanut butter. It was drifting out of a large metal can. Pax dropped the cheese. He stood to sniff at the rim. Like the garbage bin at his boy's home, the can promised a variety of scraps. But above the calming lead scents rose the one he craved more than any other. His whiskers ruffled in pleasure. He nudged the lid aside a few inches. The clear jar lay on top of the heap, its sides still smeared thick with the creamy prize. Pax edged his snout under the lid and bit the top of the rim carefully. He knew from experience that this was how to grip the jar so it didn't cover his nose. 
he pushed away from the garbage can and the lid clattered to the stony ground, ringing an alarm in the quiet night. Pax ducked under the table and froze, his pulse quickened. Across the tent, the flap snapped open. A human stepped in and clicked on a beam of light. Even over the peanut butter, Pax recognized the scent, his boy's father. Pax raised a paw, ready to dart in whatever direction seemed safest. The man swept the light around the tent. When it fell on Pax's eyes, he winced, but he didn't move. His pupils adjusted and Pax saw the mound crouch to stare at him. Pax remained frozen, paw still raised, jar still clamped in his jaws, studying the man's face as the man studied his. The man grunted, rubbing his chin. Then he gave a rough laugh. Pax lowered his paw an inch, holding the man's gaze, testing him. His boy father laughed again, then rose and lifted the tent flap. He kicked his boot through the opening. Pax knew the signal. The man had used it on him often, at the door of the human's house, at the door of his pen. Go through, it meant. Go through right now, and I won't harm you. The pact was reliable. Pax sped past him into the safety of the night. He didn't slow down until he reached the spine of the hill. He buried the jar and then crouched to watch for movement at the camp in the pre-dawn light. Although he was certain no humans had followed him, he took off east, snaking a loose loop for half an hour before doubling back to drop down to the river. Runt was awake when Pax returned, and for the first time since the explosion, he was struggling to rise. Bristle urged him back down, but Pax saw that his lips were cracked and his eyes sunken. He needed water. Bristle looked to the river's edge, a dozen full bounds for a healthy fox. Would it even be possible for Runt? The little fox braced his forelegs. He tightened his haunches to rise, then looked back in surprise. The leg that had been part of him his whole life, as much a part of him as his own scent, was gone. He bent and sniffed at the wound. He looked up at Pax and then Bristle, as if searching for an explanation. Again, he strained upward. His one remaining back leg jacked him up and Runt rolled onto his wounded haunch with a yelp of pain. Pax leaped to stand by his injured side. Runt got to his front legs once more and then straightened his one back leg. Again, he canted over. This time, though, he fell against the strong, tall flank of the older fox, and he did not cry out. He wobbled, searching for a new balance. When he found it, Pax took a single step toward the water, then waited. Runt stepped out, first the two front legs, then a dragged hop with the single back leg and a collapse against Pax. Again, Pax took a single step. Again, the small fox matched it, and again, and once more until he didn't waver at all. Bristle ran ahead to the bank. And step by wounded step, Runt closed the distance until he flopped down by the river bank and stretched his neck out to lap at the cool water. When he was sated, he dropped his head, his eyes closing, but Bristle nibbled, nipped him 
Soon it would be full daylight. He would be exposed. She ran upriver to a stand of cattails. Runt limped after her. He was still clumsy and trembling and slow, but he did not fall once. Pax followed close by. Just as they reached the stand of reeds, Pax startled at the crackling of bush from downstream. Bristle's head snapped around, too, ears cocked to the same spot across the river. Something large was coming. Runt dipped his head to sniff at a snail. Pax and Bristle backed into the cattail reeds. Bristle called to her brother. Runt did not turn his head. A buck pranced out of the vegetation, tossed his antlers, then splashed into the river. Bristle barked for her brother again, and again he ignored her. The deer clattered up onto the other bank, heading for the bright grass of an unscorched area of field. At its edge, he lifted a hoof. As he set it down, the earth rocked and the bright grass blew. The buck burst up, his back legs twisting and snapping. Runt screamed his terror at the quaking ground. Bristle and Pax herded him into the cool dark of the reeds and soothed him until he understood that he was unharmed. The foxes watched the soldiers run down the hill, sweeping their beams of light over the heap in the field, then go back. As a pink sun rose over the pines, vast patches of grass in the field flared up and crackled. Field mice stumbled out toward the cool safety of the riverbank. Dazed and disoriented, they would have made easy meals, but Bristle let them pass as if obeying some code that protected those so terrified. She stood and gazed over the smoking field. We have to leave here, now. Pax knew that she was right. He followed her out of the reeds. Bristle called to Runt, who was watching a wandering vole. He didn't even flick his ears toward her, and Pax understood. He can't hear.